Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. In Northern California, north of Sacramento, sits the town of Corning, where the sun sets over the budding olive orchards, spraying purple, pink, and gold colors over the distant mountain ranges to both the east and the west. National forests with all their natural wildlife and foliage surround the area, providing a sense of safety and all is right with the world in this quaint town, known for the farming of its olive oils, almonds, and walnuts. Perhaps the local farming is why one may find themselves traveling down roads with names like Olivewood, Olive Lane, Almond Street, and Walnut Road. But would one know the story of the namesake of the road named Everett Freeman Way? If you ask one of the locals, they'd most likely be able to tell you the meaning and the history behind the name. That today, a small tribe of Indians remains that once had to fight to gain back their sovereignty that they once were forced to sign papers stating that they were not Indians, that they reluctantly surrendered their sacred lands to incoming settlers. Those lovely lands that were wedged between those mountains with the beautiful rays of sun casting those brilliant colors across the peaks, this in exchange for being forced into military reservations. Would a visitor to the town of Corning, California ever know the story of a humble hero named Everett Freeman, that this humble, ordinary man would rally the people of the misplaced tribe to regain sovereignty and return to their homelands? Well, if you're ever a visit visitor to Corning, California, at least you'll know. Today, we celebrate the Pasquinta Band of Nomlaki Indians with my guest, Chairman Andrew Alejandre. Chairman Andrew, welcome to Native Chalk Talk. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. And I know you're busy, so this means a lot. So now I know you go by Drew. So from here on out, I'll call you by your preferred name. And for our listeners, I'd like to point out that for the Pasquinta people, the leader is called chairman, title counterpart to what many tribes call chief. So Chairman Drew, we have much to learn about the Pasquinta Band of Nomlaki Indians, as well as about this tribal champion, Everett Freeman. But first, I'd like to share about yourself and about the great work you're doing as chairman. So here goes. Andrew Drew Alejandre was elected chairman of the Pasquinta Band of Nomlaki Indians in September 2016. Prior to being elected chairman, he served as tribal secretary starting in April 2014. Chairman Drew grew up in nearby Williams and moved to Corning when the tribe opened Rolling Hills Casino in 2001. He graduated from Corning Union High School and earned a degree in graphic design from the Art Institute in Sacramento. He brought a background rich in entrepreneurialism and business operations to his role as tribal secretary, and he gained an inside look at the tribe's economic development efforts while interning for the tribe's construction company, Tepa, in Colorado. Chairman Drew also realized his dreams of owning his own brand when he started his own clothing company. So you've been chairman for how long now, Chairman Drew? 
Um, so this will be my seventh year. Wow. And, um, so I serve. So it's a four-year term. I'm in my second term, um, and it will end next year. Oh wow! Is it kind of bittersweet, or are you ready to get back to the clothing company and having more time to do all of that? Um, you know, there's no term limits uh, within the tribe, so uh, my goal is to serve one more term. Okay, fantastic. Well, and obviously, um, I've heard such great things about you and the work that you do, and we're going to get into more of that as we go. I do believe you're the youngest chairman, or again, chief in the case of other tribes that I've spoken to, and I find that to be exciting, and I'll enjoy continuing to hear about the work you're doing over the next coming years. So the story about your appointment and election to chairman is an interesting one, and it started with some controversy with previous administrators, right? So tell us more about that. Yeah, so there was um, a family uh, made up, and their names are their last names were the Peta, Loesch, and Crosby. Um, they were somehow, um, when we got restored, they were somehow led on to the role. Um, and they had a very large family, which allowed them to be in power. Um, as when it comes to you know tribal politics, so uh, there was one person, Leslie Lowe. She was the tribal secretary, or I'm sorry, the tribal treasurer. Her okay. sister was the tribal administrator, Enos Crosby, yeah. and then their son, and then Enos's son was the uh, economic development person. Uh, wow! And yeah, so the three of them uh, stole over 5 million uh, that we can think of. Uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's more, but over $5 million from the tribe, you know, they spent it on everything they wanted, you know, uh, buying cars, houses, I mean, mansions. They bought a private jet. Uh, You're trips. kidding me? Yeah, there was some oh, lavish yeah. trips um, all over the world. You know, jewelry, you name it, they had it. Um, and, you know, this was money that belonged to the tribe, uh, money that was supposed to support um, our membership. And, um, you know, they just took it upon themselves to use it as their own bank account. Um, but, you know, before that, there was a lot of controversy around who they were and where they came from. And no one could really tie their lineage um, back to the tribe. So that was really in question. Hmm, suspects. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in 2014, you know, my a lot of the tribal members were sharing with my uncle, uh, Andy Freeman, who was the chairman at the time, um, telling him, you know, these people are not a part of the tribe. You know, there's something you need to do. You need to look into this. Um, you know, and and this was before all of that came out. So, uh, you know, he did some deep diving, went back and uh, met with some of the people that helped get the tribe, uh, the tribal roles established. Um, a genealogist who uh, who we still work with today. Um, you know, and it came out that you know, there was no ties. 
Uh, there was no trace of who they were and where they came from as far as being a part of our tribe. Um, so it was in 2014, April 12th, um, my uncle told me, be ready. I'm going to need you to step into this role um, because we're going to be removing um, the, the, this family uh, from the roles and, you know, I'm going to appoint you to the tribal secretary role. What did you think of that when he said that to you? Um, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was, you know, I have, at that time, I had no business being in tribal government, tribal politics. Uh, or maybe you, know, you did, family. because there's something to be said about honesty and someone who loves his tribe yeah. taking over versus, you know, what you did have in there. Anything would have been better than what they were doing. I mean, that's disgusting. Right, right. You know, and I was coming from an art background and, you know, I loved what I was doing, but, you know, I felt like this was really important. So, you know, I agreed. Um, and then that's when the real fight started. You know, we removed them and that was a big controversy in itself. You know, uh, it was an intertribal dispute. So no one really wanted to have a hand in it. The BIA wanted to stay out of it. You know, anybody, uh, any organization that we tried to reach out to was like, this is an inter-tribal dispute. So you guys need to figure out, figure it out on your own. Um, so that was an issue in its own. And then when we started going through what exactly the tribe had as far as, you know, uh, businesses, uh, things we're invested in, starting to look over the numbers, um, and we started to discover all these different things that the tribe owned and had and, and all these different bank accounts uh, and how they were being used. And that just really elevated everything um, as far as who these people were. Um, wow. And there was even at one point where we had to hire our own um, armed security team uh, to be on property uh in front of the casino uh, and they also hired a um, armed armed guard team um and it was a standoff in in front of the casino uh weeks and weeks and oh my it was gosh it was one of the craziest things i've ever experienced. was the press there or was it press was there um oh my god you know it was uh it was a night and day thing. I mean, there was just all these crazy accusations about them coming in with a helicopter and uh, dropping in above the casino. Um, one thing they were successful doing was um, they did a cyber attack on the casino, shutting down all our systems. Um, so their goal was to shut down the casino entirely um and they were unsuccessful just because we have an amazing team at the casino who you know worked day and night i mean the employees were just incredible you know the tribal members were incredible there's just so much resiliency that um you know like how we just came together and fought um against all of that and you know we we are successful now today, um, and those three individuals are now in prison um, and paying restitution 
in the short. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you don't always hear about justice happening, especially when it comes to the Native American community. So this is exciting. I yeah, mean, you not. wish it hadn't absolutely. happened, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's this is a really common thing that happens in Indian country. And, you know, I think a lot of times it gets looked, you know, people look at the look in a different direction and, yeah. you know, under the rug. Um and there's, like you said, there's not always justice served. And I think this has really inspired a lot of other tribes to try and bring justice, um, just because this has been, um, you know, this news has been well covered in Indian country. So we're, we're happy to share how we did it and, you know, the, the fight that it took, you know, it wasn't yeah. easy. Um, you know, so we're, we're proud of where we are now and we're just moving forward in a better direction. That's amazing. How long did it take to actually unseat them and get them into prison? So they were just put into prison um, this last September. So from 20, I mean, you're talking 2014 oh, to, so to just months ago. Yeah. Oh my God. That's absolutely insane. So do you know how they originally came into power? Well, they were... You know, they were working with my grandfather to help get the tribe re-recognized. You know, he kind of leaned on them to for some guidance. And, yeah. uh, you know, they just took advantage. So sad. I hate that. And that taking advantage thing is big, uh, again, in Indian country. But also what you talked about with there's corruption in a lot of I hate to say this, but there's corruption in the tribes. And I think that's come to light more and more over the years, the better technologies we have, the better reporting and recording. Um, so those things I think are getting better, but it's still a battle um, that I think a lot of people don't even know that tribes face. So it's hard enough facing what tribes face with the outside world, but then sometimes the inside world can also have its own challenges. So congratulations to you and your tribe for getting all of this taken care of and justice has been served with the right people in prison now. So what have you learned thus far from being the leader of your tribe? I mean, you came in as, as chairman in a way that, you know, to a situation that most people don't have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's been a lot of trust building. Um, one of the, you know, with the membership, of course, so one of the things that we really strive to do is be as transparent as possible, you know, um, because that has left a lot of damage on our people, yeah. you know, and it's so hard for everyone to trust um, just because of the way they treated the membership. Um, we've, we've given the voice back to the people, which is really important. You know, there, there wasn't a voice before. There wasn't. Uh, there wasn't the ability to ask questions. You know, when yeah. you ask a question um, with that previous uh, council, then and they didn't like what you had to say, they would strip you from your tribal benefits for as long as oh, they what? wanted to. There, I had some family family members, um, you know, oh. who asked a question about do we own a private jet because I heard we own a private jet. They didn't like that. So they uh, stripped her from, you know, any benefits that, that you would perceive as a tribal member. And, you know, the sad thing that really 
really got me was they wouldn't even allow her to use our tribal clinics, uh, you know, for if she had health issues, you know, which was very sad to see. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and and I think I've I've just learned so much from from what not to do, um, you know, just trying to reach out to other other tribal leaders and and you know I was really surrounded with so many great people coming into this role. Um, otherwise, yeah. I probably wouldn't have done it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you felt you like you had a good support system and they obviously believed in you because they wanted you to be chairman. And that says a lot. And the fact that I guess they voted you in for that second term. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's good stuff. Right. Um, I'm so proud. That's just so cool. I mean, what a story, what a victory story. You're like, okay, I'm coming in like a wrecking ball. We're going to fix this thing. <laughs> well, good for you. So it sounds like you learned that listening to the people and even experiencing what was going on within your own family before you took over as chairman and before these folks went to prison was that there was a lack of trust and what had happened before was probably very bruising on the tribe. And so I can only imagine it has been an uphill battle and, but it sounds like things are going well and super exciting. And I, I want to get back to some of that in just a moment, but I wanted to take a quick minute because I was curious myself and I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to also be curious. Tell us about your clothing brand. Um, so the name of my clothing brand was K-C-A-V-E. Um, and it was an acronym for Create, uh, create Ambition Venture Elevate. Um, cool. It's what what they call streetwear, uh, which is a mixture of different genres and mediums. Um, so music, art, you know, clothes. Um, a clothing brand was something I've always wanted to do um, since I was young. Uh, yeah. and, and I wasn't sure how to go about it, but I, I figured out that you needed graphic design to do it. Gotcha. Um, so that's part of why I went to school for graphic design. Um, awesome. It was it was a lot of fun, and I really felt like it was at it's it was going to be at its turning point, um, right when I got elected into. Of office. course, yeah. it's like but, ooh, uh, yeah, chairman you know, or continue the clothing line. So, right. did you continue it? Is it still in existence I mean, today? I tried to for a couple years. Um, you know, I hired a couple people, but it just wasn't sustainable without my attention. Yeah. I wasn't able to fill orders on time. Um, so then, you know, I decided to just shut it down. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun and I loved it so much. And someday when you retire, you can pick it right back up. At least you know what to do now. And you know, you needed the graphic design background and all those things. Yeah. What would you say to, because I know we have a lot of natives in fashion now and creating clothing lines. It's super exciting to see them come to the forefront and get their spotlight. What would you tell to someone starting in this field, you know, whether it's, hey, don't get discouraged, keep going, or, or what best practices would you share to them? You know, that's absolutely right. Uh, just keep going. You know, it, it starts with one design, you know, mm. one one step at a time. Um, social media is going to be your best friend. You know, that's where you're going to get all your exposure and just keep creating and creating and creating. That's yeah. the best thing you can do. Get that exposure. Uh, 
you know, and, and just have fun. Do what makes you happy um, when it comes to doing the, this, the putting out the designs you want. You know, that's what it's all about. That's great. I love that. Do what you love. And how long did it, is it a full-time job? Is it a 40-hour week? Is it a 60-hour week job to try to start a business like that? It it becomes a full-time thing, you know. Um, I bet it does. You're the... You're the if you're the marketer, you're the designer, uh, you know, you're the bank, you're the accountant. Yeah. So, you know, There's the business that. side, blah, blah. Yeah. Exactly. I totally get it. Even with this podcast, you know, I have my business yeah, side sure. and it's like, those are the things that I put off till the end of the week. I'm like, that's not the fun stuff. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, you know, knowing what you're getting into is great, but also sometimes not knowing what you are getting into is good too. Cause I wouldn't have known there was this much work in a podcast, but I wouldn't change a thing at the same time. It's so much fun. And I'm sure you felt the same way about your clothing brand. Absolutely. So, but before you and I met, I knew nearly nothing about the Pascanta band of Nomlaki Indians. So why don't you share about your tribe for both our listeners and, and me too? Absolutely. So we uh, originally from Pascenta, um, where our original uh, reservation was. Um, but in the 1950s, we were terminated uh, and later restored in 1994. Um, today, we have close to 300 tribal members and um, our reservation now sits right off the I-5 in Corning, which is... Um, which is east of of Pascenta, uh, still okay. in our Aboriginal territory where our people were the first people there. Um, so it's still still home to us. Um, and there we we have created some uh, pretty sustainable economic development uh, through our casino property, um, which now sits there and is very successful in helping sustain the tribe and the tribal members through you know various different programs that we've been able to establish um and we continue to grow uh one of the things i must say we're proud of is we've just built a, a community complex um our first tribal headquarters uh, which the tribe has never had before. So we're so proud of that. You know, when I came into op to office, we didn't have a tribal office or a place for right. tribal members to gather. Um, now we do. We have a two-story beautiful facility. Um, that's our admin building. And then next to that, we have a community center, um, you know, where now we can host gatherings um, share stories and just create so many memories with each other. You know, these are buildings that are going to be here for generation after generation, yeah. where all the most important decisions are going to be made for for the tribe. Um, you know, just going forward. So we're really proud of where we are. Um, we've also built these different committees within the tribe, going back to when I said, you know voice back to the people through that we've built these committees to where we can allow them to have 
some influence on the things that we're doing. Uh, we have ah, a finance cool. committee. So through that, sharing, um, sharing our numbers, sharing our economic development, you know, it goes back to that transparency. We have a health, health board, um, which talks about how our clinics are, are doing uh, and getting feedback and recommendations from, from tribal members. We have a culture committee who is trying to revitalize our culture uh, revitalizing language, revitalizing ceremonies. Um, so we're just doing so much with our membership now. And it's it's really special to see the growth that, that we've um, established. And it's amazing what you can do when you don't have $5 million being taken out of the coffers. There was a period of time where our tribe went through a, uh, the Trail of Tears, uh, which we call the Nome Cult, where they rounded uh, native people in the North State here um, from Chico, uh, where the Machupta tribe is, and then they moved their way. Settlers came and rounded up these people. They, they uh, got the Nomlaki people and drove all of these these tribes up over the mountains to the to the west, um, where Round Valley is now, which is made up of seven different tribes that were rounded up um so you know through that uh we became slaves um and you know along the way of the numcult walk there were elders mothers fathers aunts uncles children babies that uh, were murdered and you know beaten, starved, uh, you know, just mistreated through the whole time. And, you know, not very many of them survived through it, mm -hmm. uh, which is why we we make it a point to honor it every September by doing a numb cult walk um, of our own, just honoring those people. And, uh, you know, that was, that was hundreds of miles they walked on foot. That's a know. long way. It is. Oh my God, and, I can't even imagine. And I did, I did twenty miles this last year, and I couldn't yeah. walk. And I, and I had everything I needed. I had water. I had food. Right. I had a ride. I, I could take a break when I wanted to, and you know, it just, it made me really uh, emotional to to see that and feel that you know, that to know that my people had to go through that is very very disheartening you know yeah, but especially... back to, uh, you know back to the culture um so through that we became slaves and shipped off to different farmers um, in the area and you know a lot of our relatives were not allowed to speak the language or practice the culture like like many other tribes put in boarding schools um you know anytime any of that happened, uh, you know, speaking language or trying to practice ceremony, that was that was frowned upon. That was beaten out of you. You know, you were uh, you were made to learn English. You were made to be Pentecostal uh, religion. Mm -hmm. um, so you know that has been uh, forgotten along the way. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot to pass down 
throughout the years. And, you know, even a lot of our older elders would tell you, uh, you know, some of that stuff was frowned upon and, and they didn't, you know, they're so traumatized by all of that. They didn't right. want to teach their young, their young children mm. and pass that down. So right. today, it could put uh, them in danger. Exactly. Exactly. So today, you know, we're our culture committee is working really hard to um, find resources that uh, relate to Paskenta. And there are a lot of neighboring tribes who who do practice the same traditions as we do. Um, and there's a, there's a few tribes that also practice the same language, just slight diff slightly different mm. uh, dialects. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of these uh, universities that are holding our our language. Uh, they have tons of recordings and of songs and, and language and just just different. Thank goodness. Reasons. Yeah, but but they're also holding it hostage. You know, uh, mm -hmm. artifacts, uh, baskets. You know, just things that, right. that belong to the tribe. Um, that we're trying to recover. Yes, it it's so interesting the thought that I take it for granted that you know the tribe I'm with, Choctaw tribe, is is large and we've had buildings for a long time and we just upgraded our buildings recently and we have a lot of our items, our uh, artifacts, and all that. So I take it for granted that there are still tribes out there. There are 300 members in your tribe. It's small, and you're just now getting a building so you can gather or two together. And it just—it's so heartwarming to know that it is being rebuilt as we speak. The Nomlaki Indians are not going away. <laughs> so pretty neat. Um, so how are tribal members designated? Do they have to prove lineage in some way? How does that work? Yeah, so it, it goes by lineage. Um, today, our, our roles are closed, um, but we do allow uh, babies to be enrolled um, as long as they're under two years of age. So they, so once a child, is, once a tribal member has a child, um, they have the, op they have two years to enroll them into. Okay. Um, so yeah. So that's how um, we're doing it nowadays, but it's really based off lineage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And every tribe's a little bit different. Some of them have similarities, such as um, obviously the five civilized tribes go by the Dawes rolls and were your great, great, great grandparents enrolled on the Dawes rolls. And if not, so when it comes, goes back for you guys, is was there some kind of role that was taken many, many years ago, or did you open it up recently and just closed it? How does that work? So when we were um, re-recognized, that's when, uh, you know, it, it was a lineage thing. They established that at that point. Um, I'm not exactly sure how it was, you know, before that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we haven't opened the roles since. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's a protected view of making sure that your citizens are citizens. Right. Um, and by the way, you keep talking about the um, uh, the success of getting your government back. So we are going to talk about that. That is super interesting, folks. You're going to really enjoy 
understanding and hearing more about that. But before we do that, um, how about the Pascenta government? How does it work? I'm curious. Yeah, so we have five council members, uh, chairperson, a vice chair, secretary, treasurer, and a member at large. Um, so really, we've been in charge of um, establishing programs, policy, procedure, um, economic development. You know, our, our tribal council is really, really hands-on in everything mm -hmm. that we do. And, you know, it really stems back to that, that traumatic time in 2014. Um, yeah. We want to make sure that uh, everything that's going in and going out is is correct and um, and is in line with with our values. Um, but you know, sure. one of the special things that I'm really proud of is that we've built this government. We've built, mm -hmm. we've really built what Pasquenta has today. We've laid the foundation for this tribe that's going to be so strong for many generations to come. You know, the programs that we put in place, the the policies, the procedures, the the the, the layers of protection so that no one could ever come in and do what those people have done. And no one will ever have to suffer in a way that they did before just because of all the great things that we've been able to establish. You know, there's so Absolutely. many resources so many resources and opportunities for for our membership um all the way from you know being born to an elder um, everyone's gonna have you know everything they need uh right here within within their own tribe that's beautiful i love it i'm cheering you guys on <laughs> thank you so speaking of government i mentioned earlier that hero rose up named everett freeman and he rallied his fellow tribal members and said, let's go take back our sovereignty. So spoil, spoiler alert, listeners, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Everett Freeman was Chairman Drew's grandpa. So you were destined for this leadership role, Drew. You really were. Um, so before we hear about Mr. Freeman's valiant story, let's talk about the history of the sovereignty of the Pascenta Band of Nomlaki Indians. The Pascenta are from Northern California near the Sacramento River, and they eventually created the Pascenta Rancheria in 1906 and 1909, and it was about 260 acres, but something in 1959 had happened. Tell us about that. So in the 1950s, um, our tribe was wrongfully terminated by the federal government, um, so we were no longer recognized as a tribe and we were no longer recognized as Indian people, you know, which is uh, very disheartening and, and should not happen to any tribe or any one uh, native, you know, and it's sad to say that there still are so many different unrecognized tribes still fighting for, for their um, recognition. Yeah, it's just boggles my mind that this was 1959 that wasn't that long ago and right. they sold the the rancheria to non-natives and right. this was you guys were already federally recognized but then you were unrecognized i mean it just it's shocking to me that the california rancheria termination act even happened like how can that happen and so like you said it was probably just so disheartening for 
the your tribal members? I mean, do you talk to anyone now that remembers when that happened? Well, of course, your grandpa. But, you know, do people talk about that, you know, the elders amongst themselves and amongst the younger folks about that time in history? You know, I don't think anyone um, is alive who who uh, went through that experience, you know, so there, you know, there isn't really a whole lot of talk about that time. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully um, things have been written down or somehow uh, captured about that time. It's just such a crazy thing that that can happen. Although we've seen this thing over and over with our American Indian people, it shouldn't be surprising technically. But however, the fact that this government attempted assimilation by stealing lands in 1959, again, this was about assimilation. It really makes you realize how recent some of the th these things were still occurring. And then in 1957, another blow took place. The U.S. government denied the Pascenta, the Pascenta's federal tribal status, and this was actually an unlawful termination. So it sounds like they were trying to fight for it back, and it didn't work. So every story needs a hero. So enter Everett Freeman. Tell us the story about your grandpa Everett and his passion for restoring sovereignty to the Pascenta people. Yeah, so my grandfather, um, you know, he was a BIA worker, BIA foreman. Um, he worked on roads, uh, construction up and down California. And, and you know, it, it's, that was something he always, he was always a hardworking man, you know. Yeah. He, you know, he never finished school. I think he went up to maybe seventh grade, I think. So Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so he didn't even finish high school and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He taught himself to read and write and taught himself oh. math, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and just kind of shows you, you know, if you have the drive and you have the passion, you can accomplish so much. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't take much, but, but heart. Um, and so, you know, when he was retiring from the BIA, you know, over those years, he built so many great relationships with, with people and was just very well respected. And what's cool when I travel back to DC or go to, uh, interior, uh, they still remember him. And so it's really? always, oh my gosh, yeah, it's, it's always, uh, you know, an honor just to hear other people yeah. speak of him and, and what a great person he was. Uh, but, you know, it was always his dream to get this tribe re-recognized. And, you know, once he retired, that was something that he set out to do. And yes. um, it all started with him knowing that he didn't have uh, the money to to accomplish, accomplish all these goals. So first thing he did was go around to different reservations where he knew there was no Malaki people that could qualify as a member of Paskenta um, because some of them, you know, were established with the Round Valley tribe, um, you know, because a lot of our relatives were moved up that way through the Numco mm. Trail of Tears. And so, you know, he told people up and down, you know, California, that uh, my goal is to get 
the tribe we recognized. So please come, you know, enroll and I'm going to buy, I'm going to get land and, you know, hopefully we'll build a casino and, you know, we'll start to, you know, do things, you know, improve the lives of, of our people. The man and, had vision. He yeah, had vision. He did. So and cool. So, you know, uh, after that, he got his family together, um, all, all his kids and, you know, we started traveling around to different native events, um, powwows and, you know, in, in California, we also call them big times, oh. uh, which is similar to a powwow, just different style, uh, different, yeah. regalia, different dances and singing. Um, but he would sell Indian tacos and snow cones and, you know, had a concessions uh, stand. <laughs> That's awesome. where we went. Um, and I just, I remember being a little kid running around uh with with my parents there, you know, helping um make tacos and all That's that awesome. good stuff. And so, you know, through that he was able to buy the necessary supplies he needed, um, you know, a fax machine, printer, computer. Uh, and it also helped and allowed <laughs> him cool to, <laughs> it also allowed him to um, travel uh, to where he needed to, um, yeah. you know. So he had to go to DC or whatever. Yeah, he advocated yeah. Uh, in front of Congress on behalf of the tribe. He was traveling to the Capitol in Sacramento, um, you know, and, and come 1994, um, we were fairly recognized. Yes. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. That is amazing. And what's cool too, is since it was a family affair, you actually were part of you guys gaining your sovereignty back too. It wasn't just your grandpa and it was such a collective effort. It sounds like, I mean, absolutely. It, and he, yeah. He would tell you the same thing. He, he would never take credit for this at all. Of course not. But yet he was the one that had the vision. Like, don't you know, some people must have heard that and gone, oh, what is he thinking? There's no way. But he was willing to put his money where his mouth is. He went out there and he worked hard and he did those taco sales. And so, I mean, my native friends don't ever underestimate the power of an Indian taco sale. You never know what can happen. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, this is probably one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. I love this. You know, you said don't. You're you're absolutely right. Um, when people thought that he was crazy, um, because I remember this comment that um, some of my family members had told me that when my grandfather told someone who could have been a part of this tribe that he wanted to get the tribe reestablished and get land and build a casino, mm -hmm. they told him that would never and it would always be that land would be nothing but a piece of dirt wow look at him now look at what he did that's incredible wow and so in 1994 that's what happened right you regained your tribal sovereignty absolutely yeah and then years later um we built rolling hills casino incredible and then with the um 
the fraud that was going on that got taken care of took a while but it happened and now you even have gathering buildings and things like that so kudos to your grandpa i mean i can't my hat is so off to that man i wish i could have met him but he was a good man so did the tribe actually get their lands back not um our original territories but okay aboriginal lands where where we reside now and you know uh unfortunately how it sounds is we're continuing to buy back as much land of ours as possible yeah that's great that's great i'm sure there's so much more to come with this whole story and journey of the pescenta band super exciting so thank you for sharing that story with us um honors to your grandpa everett We'll talk later about the interesting things the tribe is doing with the land, the 2000 acre reservation near Corning. But first I'd like to learn about Everett the man. So he was born in 1931 in California and was raised by his uncles and his grandfather, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, and there was something about, I think you told me he was a medicine man or something of the sort. Yeah, his great grandfather was a medicine man, Andrew Freeman. Oh, okay. Well, I'm actually named after, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. And then um, were any of your family members in the service, the Navy, Army, Uh, anything like that? Yeah, my grandfather was um, in in the Navy, along with um, two of his his brothers um, were also uh, in the Navy. Uh, My grandfather would tell me stories about, you know, he was he was also a cook in the Navy. Uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and he, he would tell me cool stories about, you know, how he was on on the ships and stuff, and they would they would box, they would have boxing matches, and uh, so cool. Yeah, and then go into the kitchen late at night, and he would cook for everyone, um, and, and, you know, they'd just have a good time on the ships. Band of really Brothers. Yeah. That's so yeah. neat. I love those stories that our ancestors, our grandparents or whatever tell us. Mm-hmm. Those are so special and should be preserved. So he enlisted in the Navy. And then about a decade later, the government he served took away his tribe's sovereignty. And that's so crazy to think about. So what did he do after his time in the Navy? You said he was in the BIA. Yeah, he did um, roads and construction in the BIA uh, for many years. I'm not exactly how many, but until mm-hmm. he retired um, he was always you know that type of guy who was into construction you know that yeah. hard working right yeah. i'm sure his time in the navy didn't it definitely contributed to that hard work ethic so and then he married and had kids um how, how many kids did he have he had uh five children two boys three girls um and lots of grandchildren <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you have that many kids, um, you know, most people retire and spend their time golfing and sipping on cocktails, but not your grandpa. He was ready to go get that sovereignty back. I mean, most people are slowing down at that point. He's like, no, kids, get in the car. We're going to go to the the big time and we're going to make Indian tacos and Slurpees and we're going to get our sovereignty back. So, by the way, how long did that actually take then for him to reinstate the tribal recognition? Uh, I want to say 
I'm thinking a good five years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he was on such a mission when you're retired, I guess you can go full time on just trying to get it yeah, back. Absolutely. Yeah. So what a legacy from Indian taco sales to the restoration of federal recognition. And this really is a lesson to us all that when you really want to do something, as Chairman Drew said, you will find a way. So Everett Freeman was born in 1931 and passed away in 2010. And thankfully, his name will never be forgotten as it's forever in the name of a county road in Corning, California. And tribal members are eternally grateful for his legacy that's spoken of often as the foundation of their sovereignty, and rightfully so. So now we know about your grandpa. How about your other family members? Would you like to share a bit about some of your ancestors? Sure. Um, you know, one in particular is always uh, his great-grandfather, Andrew Freeman, um, you know, because he comes from such a spiritual background um and just carried strong medicine um mm -hmm. that lived in our tribe um and i i always loved hearing the stories about him um i, I really wish i could have met him and just oh, heard him from, from him you know but yeah I, I got to live a little bit of that through my grandfather um uh -huh. and you know, he would tell me, he told me at the time he, be, how he became a medicine man. And uh, so the story goes, he was living in Pasquenta uh, and, you know, he was feeling really sick. Um, and it had been months that he was feeling this way and he couldn't figure out what it was. So he went into the town of Corning and, um, saw a doctor there and the doctor you know gave him some tonic water and you know just told him to to rest and relax uh, so you know he went back home that'll do it yeah and tonic and water that, that didn't uh, that didn't necessarily work out but there was another medicine person that was within our tribe and he went to that person and he he told them you know, Andrew told this person, you know, I'm not feeling well, and I'm not exactly sure what is wrong, uh, but I don't have any money to pay you or anything to give, but could you, you know, please help me out? And yeah. so, you know, this medicine person, he, you know, he doctored him and he sang for him, and, uh, blew the tobacco, and, uh, you know, he told Andrew Freeman, said, you know, you're going to have to do what I do. You're going to not like it. Um, you know, people are going to be afraid of you. They're not going to like you um, because of the spirituality um, that you have, the medicine that you have. <clears throat> And so he told Andrew, he said, uh, I'm going to give you my song. And then you're going to go to this mountain, which is in Pasquena. It's called the Yoliboli Mountain. And you're going to take my song and you're going you're gonna to sing this song. And when you wake up tomorrow, you won't remember this song, but you will have your own. 
And that's how you're going to establish yourself. As a medicine man. As a medicine man. Wow. And so Andrew, he uh, he went to the Yoli Boli and he built a fire and he stripped of his clothing and he took um, a native plant, which is soap root. Uh, it's like a, you pull it out and it's like a brush at the end and really soapy. So yeah. he painted his whole body with that. And he sang that song all through the night and and he had passed out. And when he had awakened, he had forgotten that song that that other medicine person gave him. Yeah. And he had established his own. And, um, you know, he he hadn't really used his medicine yet. But so when he returned home, you know, there was a sick woman uh, who was within the tribe. Uh, and at that time, the Pentecostal religion had been established within the um, have been introduced to the native people. And so there were some, some people that were uh, practicing that. And, you know, he took it upon himself to talk to this woman who was sick and tell her, you know, I've just, I've have this new practice. And, uh, you know, I don't really know if it's going to work or not, but, um, here goes. <laughs> yeah, if you want, I I could, you know, try and help you. And so, you know, he uh, sang his song, he doctored this woman. And so what would happen is he'd put his hand on, on them and he would have a vision of, of this, like, gate mm -hmm. opening or, or it would stay closed. And over time, he learned that either this gate would open or it would stay closed. And mm -hmm. that's how he would know if they were going to pass or not. He would tell them, it's like, you know, the gates are, aren't opening. So I, I think you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so he would do his practice wow. on them. That's and, so cool. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, there, there were the family members of this lady who was sick, um, didn't really agree with, with what my grandfather was doing. And, you know, like that other medicine man had told him, people aren't going to like you and they're not going to like what you do. Cause you know, it was probably, they told him. probably looked at as some sort of black magic, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. He learned that really quickly and you know they were people feared him and looked at him as a bad person but you know he he felt that he saved that person's life and uh yeah continued on with that practice and was able to um either help people or just help them understand you know their their life situation it's amazing yeah <clears throat> wow in in your culture, does that te technically typically pass down that ability to heal? You know, um, 
it it hasn't in a long time as i said you know he was our last medicine person mm. um and you know it, it really it really has to come to you and pick you you don't get to pick it mm-hmm. uh, so that's just the way it works um yeah yeah so interesting thank you for sharing that with us absolutely and I know you had some a story that you told me one time about the rattlesnake. Yes, um, also which includes uh, Andrew Freeman. Um, so one day he was in his garden, um, you know, just doing some work, and he noticed a rattlesnake, and so um, he took a shovel and he killed the rattlesnake, cut its head off. And that night when he went to bed, he said that he had a dream and it was about a rattlesnake. And this rattlesnake uh, spoke to him and told him, you killed my partner. You know, you killed my my lifelong partner. Um, And I'm going to be in your garden in the morning. And I want you to kill me so that I could be with my partner again. That's so sad. And, um, you know, when he woke up, he went out to his garden. And sure enough, there was a rattlesnake waiting for him. Whoa. Yeah. And he killed it. Right. He so he did, could go yeah. be with his partner. Absolutely. That's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The the dreams and visions he had were so interesting. Yeah. And that's yeah. who you're named after. Right. Did you ever get to meet him or was he already passed by the time you were born? Yeah, he had already passed on. Um, yeah. When I was born. Yeah. So any other interesting ancestral stories you'd like to share? Um there was there's a story he tells which is in a book um and i couldn't you know i have a stack of books uh too many um <laughs> me too there's a lot of him with, <laughs> there's a lot of him with just short little stories of, of things he encountered and um yeah. talks but one of the cool ones was about a dreamer or, or someone who had a, a vision and they talk about their the coming of the um the settlers mm. and so this this medicine person gathered the people and said i just had a vision um and there's these people coming they're coming on these things that are in the water and they're coming hmm. towards the land and they look they're like us but their skin is pale just whoa I mean, like they have no clue. it's almost oh. like us talking about aliens right right exactly oh my and, god and it must have been scary for them they're like what is this absolutely and and one of the really crazy things that talks about in this vision he said they're carrying all these different things that are made of different you know, materials, I guess. 
Um, mm-hmm. But he, one of the funny things is that he says, and they're bringing these creatures that walk on four legs. And they're talking about horses. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Dang. And that's so cool. Right. And um, wow. so, and it talks about how their first encounter with horses, they were afraid of them. They were scared mm. of them because they were seen. I bet right? they're so big. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was a really interesting, cool story that um, lies within, you know, my ancestors and my people. Oh, for sure. That's so interesting. I'm so glad that you have those stories. Not everybody has those. And I mean, his Andrew Freeman's actually, isn't his name published in some books and stuff too? It is. Yes, it is. Wow. Something for everybody to go Google. <laughs> See if you can find his name in there. So something you and I talked about recently was a recording you have of your great-grandfather speaking in Nomlaki. I guess that's how I would say it, right? Um <laughs> But listeners, you're in for something very special and rare. So take a listen to Andrew Freeman speaking in his native tongue. <laughs> Eh pom weda nesto pom polunai nome polunai wea in kailuda aktu mai boda ho akti peulene nita kutun keuda nena chewe keiabem holo wechinunai ponena ehta papel tipnai une holo wechinunai dea aktu nikela eleuda ehta kutun ponena leka kutun leka iwea you want to say in English about what you said in, in your own language now? Yeah, I said that uh, I was born. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, Just go on talking. Tell it in English. Okay. Tell the same thing in English now. Well, I said I was a blonde uh, of that town called Sopom. That's why we blonde. That's normal like Indian. Mm-hmm. And that's my town, my people town. And but uh, I lived down Creek there, born on uh, on that uh, north of Williamson Butte, and I've been living there a long time. And I say today, today I left that country and moved down here, and I'm living. Still, I got that old Indian way that I learned. And I said my people, young people, all going, you know, the other way. But I still stay with the my old Indian language. Many of us talk our language. No. But I still know that I'm Indian. I'm living in Bronze Town. Uh-huh. So that's all I can. 
So you come from such an interesting and impactful family. We talked about the reservation earlier. What big things is the tribe doing on that land today? So um, our oldest is the uh, Rolling Hills Casino, which we just completed a remodel um, two years ago. Um, so it's, it's um, really got a, a nice upgrade. We've added uh, some more, more platform uh, for gaming establishments, restaurants. Uh, Great. We have a, uh, a C-Store gas station, a golf course. Uh, wow. Our, one of the newest things we have is an amphitheater, which has been Thanks. really cool for this area. Uh, something that has never been established around here. Um, you know, and the community really loves it. We're bringing great, incredible acts um, to the property. Um, but one of my favorite is is the brewery distillery, um, which is the first of its kind in it that's been established by a tribe in California. So uh, that that's been one of the uh, bigger projects that we have on property. Um, and what's the name of the brewery? The brewery is Pasquenta Brewing and Distilling. It's fantastic. That's yeah. great. So how can people find that brewery that are in the area? Um, so it's inside our casino uh, at oh, the perfect. moment. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, so can, and there's yeah. a display. You can go and do a tour of it. We have a tasting room. Um, cool. You could see nice. all the works of it. There's a really cool... Um, glass a case uh, where it shows our distill and uh, each distillery has this thing called a uh, spirit case so in okay. the spirit case you can put something special or significant um, to your distillery uh, and we decided to use a large piece of obsidian um, oh cool and this piece of obsidian was gifted to us from an elder. Uh, mm. So it's even more special. And uh, the reason why we picked an obsidian was it's, it's uh, significant to our people, uh, you know, our ancestors. It was a way we survived, was how mm -hmm. we hunted, and it was how we um, protected ourselves, you know, using it. Yeah. Uh, as arrowhead projectile points uh knives and yeah. we wanted to recognize that and kind of in this in the same lines you know we're utilizing that as a way to to provide for our people today also uh, ah cool protect our people also you know through economic development um, wow so in that spirit case, the the spirits will flow over the the rock and then filter out and then will be bottled. So mm. we say each bottle has a piece of Pasquenta in it. That's so neat. So and in addition, you've done a lot in education as well, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, education was is. Uh, something that's very important to the tribe. Um, but 
you know, as I mentioned, my grandfather didn't finish school. Um, so ed education was really important to him. Uh, you know, one of the, the really cool things that we've been able to do was we've received this grant and we were the first tribe and only tribe um, to receive it, which is which is called the Everett Freeman uh, huh. Everett Freeman uh, Promised Neighborhood Grant, uh, which was four point six million, and we partnered with the community, uh, the local schools, to help establish a better uh, cradle to career opportunity. Um, we built so many resources through through the Promise Neighborhood Grant. Um, you know, it's it's really you, there. I mean, we have the data to to show that um, this grant has helped improve the education system in Tehama County, which is amazing. And uh, you know, it also provides counseling. Um, there was an unfortunate event that happened in uh, one of the, the towns in Tehama County, it's uh, Rancho Tehama, mm -hmm. where there was a shooting and, um, you know, at a school. And through the Promise Neighborhood Grant, we were able to um, provide counseling um, to teachers, parents, students, anyone involved, um, which have been, made a really big impact on everyone there. So, um, and, you know, everyone was so grateful for that, uh, that we were able to, you know, accommodate that. Um, we also have our own education program that is within the tribe. Um, yeah. So starting at, you know, in grade school, we um, incentivize our youth uh, for good grades, you know, academic accomplishments, uh, perfect attendance, you know, anything, any kind of award that they get through school. We want to make mm. sure that they're being honored and that they know that the tribe supports them and that oh. we're so proud of them, you know, uh, for their accomplishments. You know, everyone deserves to, to be recognized for, for their accomplishments. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing that. Uh, and then, you know, as you make the transition out of high school, we also want to help you uh, continue your education, whether that's going to a university, um, a community college, or you want to learn a trade, uh, the tribe will support you in that. And we will pay your full tuition, your uh, your books. Um, I don't, it doesn't matter if you go, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if you go to Harvard or you go to a community college we will support you um, all the way and we also just established a uh, descended scholarship uh, for those who are descendants of the tribe but not enrolled um, we want to make sure that we're helping them with their education as well and uh, you know that's actually been a really big success because one of our descendants that we've helped through that program now is um a policy coordinator in our office so uh, it's that's just, amazing <laughs> yeah you know it really comes full circle and really the good. goal is to see more of that um within yeah. our tribe see our 
our people utilize um, the programs, the resources, the opportunities that we're offering, and then you know they make that their way back, and you know want to either build a stronger government, um, build a stronger foundation for the tribe, or just you know continue on and do something great for themselves, um, which is uh, you know we're so proud of this this program. And it was really important also for, for me, because when I was going to school, um, the tribe didn't offer this type of program. Wow. Right. Um, you know, they gave you, I mean, it, it's still something, but they gave us $2,000. Um, I think it was a one-time use, um, which, you know, nowadays it doesn't cover much. Oh my uh, gosh, maybe- no. Yeah, so <laughs> one or know, two books. Yeah, yeah. You know, for us to be able to offer this is incredible. And uh, you know, it's a really beautiful investment that we we yeah. can do for our people. That's amazing. Wow. It just feels like a lot of good stuff is happening there. It's like this is people are probably gonna look back at this time in the tribe and go, This is when all this exciting stuff, big energy, big new things happening all the time. And, um, but again, you're making up for lost time and you're setting up future generations to be able to experience what you're setting up right now. So, so speaking of big things you're doing, this is kind of a side note, tell us about TEPA. So TEPA is our, um, eight, a construction company. Um, it offers a variety of services, but construction mainly. So that's, I, always call it our construction company but uh yeah you know the, the other services that they provide are uh you know uh engineering um environmental technology uh so there's a lot of different divisions of within tepa and it really supports and provides solutions for federal the federal government uh, private sector um, and my favorite is uh, tribal communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're establishing more tribal clients, um, which we're doing a casino uh, expansion that's just north of of Pasquenta uh, to a neighboring tribe, which is really neat. And you know, just to be working tribe to tribe, right? It, is always beautiful and you know we need more of so that cool. right that's so cool i love that i feel like we're starting to hear more of those heartwarming stories of the tribes coming together helping each other and this is a business this is a business that can help other tribes and do you guys hire um natives as well in the company absolutely and that's that's one of the most important things um that uh, we we want to establish and that we really speak on um, from the tribe's perspective that uh, we want to see more more native people um, in these positions um, whether yeah. it's our tribe or the tribes we want more native leadership within tepa um, you know and one of the great things that we've started to establish is is our you know our uh, collaboration with with other tribes, um, 
who are trying to get into the 8A. Uh, ah. You know, we, we've been working hard to, uh, you know, just share the knowledge that we have. You know, we're, we've been in this business for quite some time now. And, um, you know, there's nothing that we want to keep a secret. And, you know, we want to make sure that all Native people are su successful. All tribes are successful. So why not share that knowledge? Why not help others get to where right. they need to be to be able to provide for their people? So, you know, TEPA has done a great job um, sharing what we have with others, helping them get established within the business. Um, and, you know, it's not just TEPA. It's it's our brewery distillery. It's um, the casino. It's tribal government. Um, hmm. We're really proud of that. We're really proud to say we're willing to share any any knowledge that we have um, to help create success within Indian country. Uh, you know, one one native, one tribe success is all of our success. You know, we all right. win from. And that should be, and typically is, the native way. That's how it should be. Absolutely. So I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend, Justin Chester from TEPA, who he's actually the uh, person that originally introduced us. So to my listeners, um, that's how we got introduced. And so, hi, Justin, thank you for that introduction. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about the Paskenta Band of Nomlaki Indians, check out Paskenta, that's P-A-S-K-E-N-T-A-N-S-N.gov. And I'll be sure to share that on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page as well. Chairman Drew, before we go, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to share with myself and our listeners? Well, first, I want to say thank you, Rachel, so much for having me today. It's it's a true honor. Um, anytime I get to share about my tribe and our vision is very special. And anytime I can be a part of a, a, a platform like yours, um, it really is a special thing um, and it really does make a difference in Indian country. Um, so thank you. Um, you know, this is, we need more of this. And uh, so thank you for that. Um, but anyone, welcome. anyone uh, who is looking to get in tribal government, um, tribal politics, just, you just gotta jump in there. Um, but, you know, I would like to say that I used to be afraid to surround myself with such intelligent people. Um, and, you know, just because I, I didn't feel as smart, I didn't feel as accomplished, but surround yourself with those people. Surround yourself with as many intelligent people as possible. Um, well, that's your elders, your people, you know, within your tribal community, people within Indian country, uh, you know, your tribal council, and, and just learn as much as you can, you know, learn as much as you can. Um, there was a point where I knew absolutely nothing about tribal politics, tribal government, and, and I feel like I'm just now getting the hang of it. Um, so, you know, if you put your mind to it, and you're passionate about it, and you got heart and drive. There's nothing that could stop you. You're you're unstoppable, and you can do it. You can do it. 
The strength and spirit of the Pascenta carries on today with the help of retired man who refused to settle for the status quo. May we never forget the story of Everett Freeman and the lesson he taught us to do whatever it takes that no endeavor is too big when you decide to go after it and how a small thing like an Indian taco sale can lead to the restoration of entire tribes sovereignty. Thank you, Everett Freeman. And thank you, Chairman Drew, for sharing your family story and for all the good work you do for your people. Yakoki. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.